Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Monday, May 24th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and at least once a week for the next two months in advance of the 2021 NBA draft that's scheduled for July 29th. We're going to be dedicating an episode of the Ion College Basketball Podcast to a notable prospect, same way we did in advance of last year's NBA draft. If you're into the draft, you'll probably dig them. If you're not, just skip them. I don't care. Either way, they're going to be there, usually early in the week, like Monday or Tuesday. And we're going to try to keep them short, somewhere between 20 and 25 minutes. And we're going to start with the player most believe will be the number one overall pick of the 2021 NBA draft. Oklahoma State freshman Cade Cunningham. He's a six foot eight, two hundred twenty pound, nineteen year old point guard who averaged twenty point one points, six point two rebounds, and three point five assists in his one season of college basketball. He shot forty three point eight percent from the field on fourteen point eight shots per game. Shot forty percent from three on five point seven attempts per game. He shot eighty four point six percent from the free throw line on five point eight attempts per game. He was. The Big 12 Player of the Year, Big 12 Freshman of the Year, CBS Sports National Freshman of the Year, and a consensus first-team All-American. Undeniably, he lived up to the hype in college. So now the question is whether he can live up to the hype in the NBA. Deadleg, let's start with this. Are you on board with Cade Cunningham as the number one pick in this draft, regardless of which franchise picks first? Uh, Not fully on board. I think that he he is a reasonable pick. And there are debates to be had for others. And we will get to those players on future podcast episodes. I mean, I'll run down for you real quick here. Here are the number one picks since 2010, a refresher for our listenership as well. 2010 on. Start with John Wall, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, Anthony Bennett, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, DeAndre Ayton, Zion Williamson, and Anthony Edwards. When I say those names, Wall, Irving, Davis, Bennett, Wiggins, Cat, Simmons, Fultz, Aiton, Williams, and Edwards, while we still have to see a bit more, I'd say, from Aiton, and Zion's off to a great start, Anthony Edwards has outperformed, I think, both of our expectations in his rookie season. Uh, most of those players, I know Bennett's an all-time bust. I get that. Fultz, the same. But those other guys, like Wiggins has kind of been like the quasi miss a little bit even John Wall number one he hasn't been maybe as uh, number one is is there's so much put upon a player that goes number one um I I say the names GP to say do we think Kate Cunningham has a really good shot at being something somewhere between John Wall and say Kyrie Irving you know you know somewhere in there I think he's got a decent chance but I'm not convinced that he is going that he is destined to be a 10-time all-star kind of player. I think he's going to be really really good. I think he's very safe. I think his floor is super high. But to answer your question, I don't think this is a clear-cut no doubt about it. Got to take him number 1 situation. Well, I guess I'd say 
even if he's not going to be a 10-time all-star, he might be worthy of being the number one pick. Like, that's hard to do. <laughs> I know, I'm not saying he has to. I'm, I, I'm not, I know, but I, you heard the names I said. Like, there's a lot of those dudes going to the Hall of Fame. So just to put, not that if you're the number one pick, you have to do that. But because he's not that, I don't think for sure, it's why I think there's a reasonable debate to be had. I think I take him, and I'm open to the debate for sure. I mean, I don't think this is clear cut. Sometimes it is clear cut. Um, Anthony Davis, clear cut. Um, Zion Williamson, clear cut. Um, I don't know that this is as clear as that, but I do believe that I take him number one, regardless of which franchise is picking first, regardless of need, because he can obviously play lead guard or off the ball on the wing. Like, in, in some situations, if you have a young franchise point guard, like, I don't know, Charlotte with LaMelo Ball or um, Atlanta with Trey Young or Memphis with John Moran, you might consider somebody else like Evan Mobley or Jalen Green over a prospect who can really only play with the ball in his hands. And though, um, though Cade Cunningham played on the ball at Oklahoma State almost exclusively, if you had a LaMelo Ball or a Trey Young or a John Morant, um, you could play them with those guys. Like, I, I, I don't think there's nothing wrong with having two ball handlers uh, on the court together. And so that's why I, I think that you can take Kate Cunningham regardless of what else you have in your franchise right now. And obviously, if you need a lead ball handler, I think obviously um, he, he's he's the guy that I, I, I would point to. I, I'm taking him first in this draft. I, I um, I, I'm open to the other debates and, and listening, um, but I think ultimately on July 29th, you put me in charge. This is the guy I'm taking. So, and we'll get to these players on future draft profile eps, but the players that would be in the conversation as I see it right now, Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green. I actually, if you want to throw Evan Mobley in there, we're going to get to him. I, I don't think we're going... I, the NBA is going to have to move to uh, the next phase of its existence, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 40 years from now, before we get a seven-foot center going number one overall, I think. Now, I could be wrong on that. I just, if you're asking me Mobley versus Cunningham, I think you got to go Cunningham. But Suggs guides Gonzaga, national championship game. Um, he is uh, certainly someone worth discussing. And again, we will do that. But just for the purposes of this first episode uh, in this year's series, if you're wondering who else might be in that conversation, Jalen Green, who, of course, did not play college basketball. He went to G League uh, Ignite. And in fact, I think he tweeted. I actually looked for it before we did this podcast. I think he deleted it. But I thought I could have sworn I saw Jalen Green tweet about how he would have um, had a better chance to thrive or he could have had a, a really good season if he had gone to college basketball instead of going the G League route. Not exactly the thing the NBA or the G League wants out there. But regardless, he will be in the number one conversation. I do wonder if him not playing college basketball will prevent him from being the number one overall pick. My prediction is it will. So maybe ultimately this is down to Suggs versus Cade. Cade's been projected for much longer to be in that number one spot overall. And I do think that he makes the most sense. When we get there, I could see it going flipping the Suggs. I could, but Cade Cunningham needs to be considered the favorite there. And he does he does a lot. You mentioned his stats off the, off the top here. You didn't mention my favorite one. This is an insane stat. This is from Synergy. This past season... You ready for this? So Synergy tracks clutch scoring. 106 led the nation. One, I got 103. I got 103. I got Ayo DeSumo at 58. 
Marion Jackson at 62. This is from Synergy, so maybe they went back. <laughs> maybe Mike Boynton filed a protest and got another three-pointer in there. I don't know. Uh, Jameer Young from Charlotte, 63. Travion Williams, Purdue, 65. Cade Cunningham, 103 or 106. Either one. He is blowing away the field. <laughs> and that's actually, we talked about this earlier in the season. That's a little surprising in that. Do you remember when we talked? I think it would have been like early February, maybe mid-February. Like, Cade was... A, no doubt about it, National Freshman of the Year. But he actually did have some moments late in games here or there where he he might just have made, you know, the wrong decision there. Like, he wasn't flawless. You know, he might have been a B-plus or an A-minus as opposed to an A-plus. So when I see that stat, it kind of blows me away. And and I take, I take it into heavy consideration when talking about him to be the number one pick. Like, when you have separated, like, I have Dasumu garnered the reputation of being college basketball's final minute killer, right? He had 58 points in clutch situations this past season. Cunningham almost doubled him. I'm wowed by it, and certainly I think that's something that uh, that whatever team winds up being number one, I think that kind of stuff will also be taken into heavy consideration. It's an important it's an important stat, um, you know, if you're trying to project because it says something about his mindset, which, you know, if you're spending the number one pick on somebody, you want them to be a killer. You know, you want them to be, you know, uh, Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant, you know, uh, somebody who wants to take that shot in that moment. And he clearly, um, he, he's, he's not only capable of doing it, he wants to do it. He wants to be in those situations. Some guys, I don't know that they ever admit it. Some guys don't want to, the ball, you know, it, it would down two points, shot clock off 11 seconds left. Some guys don't want that. Like, I'll be honest, when I was growing up, I was uh, a baseball player. I did not want you know, bottom of the seventh, uh, runner in scoring position, you know, we're down a run. I don't like that. I, I was not good under pressure. And, you know, there are some professional basketball players who are also not good under pressure. They don't want that moment. Uh, Kate Cunningham, uh, the, the numbers back it up in his one season at Oklahoma state. He, he wanted the ball in that moment and he flourished in, in that moment. Some background on him, you know, he was considered a forward much of his teenage years. And then I believe it was his junior of high school, started playing point guard and really took off as a prospect. You know, he's grown. He's six foot eight now. I mentioned 220, uh, seven foot one wingspan. Um, so he's a nice shot creator, great in pick and roll, and a real matchup problem because if you put a small guy on him, he can play bully ball with him. And then if you put a bigger guy on him, he's just tough, tough to keep up with. At Oklahoma State, he faced double teams quite often, as you would assume. And I went back and was watching a lot of tape earlier today. He really knows how to pass out of them. Like, if he'll, you, you know, if you blitz him, he, he can pass out of that. And, it, you know, he'll, he'll find the open shooter more often than not. Though it should be noted he did average four turnovers per game. And that was a bit of a problem area. If you want to put that under the category of weaknesses, um, you, you know, he did turn it over a little too much. Um, you know, he, seven uh, uh, turnovers and a double-digit loss to Kansas. He had six in the game five different times. Now, some of that, I think, is he's facing a lot of double teams, and he was, had the ball in his hands all the time. He's playing, you know, the, the high 30s in, in uh, minutes per game often. And so there's opportunities to turn the ball over, but still turnovers were an issue for him. But um, 
you know, he was obviously t- tremendous in a, in a variety of ways. Again, again, six foot eight, forty percent from three point range on nearly six attempts per game. Like that's really, really encouraging from a lead guard after one year uh, of college. Like often, you know, uh, one and done lead guards. Um, you know, if, if they they can struggle making shots in the NBA from the perimeter um, initially, at least. You know, Derrick Rose did. Uh, right now, John Morant has through two years with the Grizzlies. Um, but Cade projects as somebody who is going to have to be is going to be a respectable shooter right from the jump. Again, forty percent from three in college on nearly six attempts per game. That is uh, that's fantastic considering how much time he had the ball in his hands. Um, on the defensive end. I hate it when people say, you know, he can guard all five positions because almost nobody can, but he can maybe guard four. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, you know, he's a big boy, and I, I think he could comfortably, you know, guard four different positions at the NBA level. There's just a, a lot to like here, and very little that that scares me. Almost nothing that scares me. Uh, you know, to circle back to uh, an, an initial point, you like I don't know if he'll be a 10-time All-Star. I don't know if he'll be a Hall of Famer, but in terms of evaluating a prospect in advance of his professional career starting, you know, there's a there's a lot of stuff to like and and very little that turns me off. Cunningham did not finish. Uh, this was a little bit surprising. I think the turnovers might have been some of that too. He did not finish in the top ten of Ken Palm's Player of the Year algorithm, uh, which is uh, unusual for a ball dominant, possession dominant, high major player uh, on a quality NCAA tournament team um, who was considered, you know, the best freshman in America. So he wasn't there. He overall he was a good player. In fact. Um, his box score plus minus shouts to Bartorovic for this, who tracks this. This is, uh, I got issues with plus minus, particularly on an individual basis here, but for the entire season, there was only two games where Cunningham was negative box plus minus uh, at TCU in early February and then uh, against Oklahoma on March 1st. But otherwise, he was good. In fact, ironically, in Oklahoma State's final game of the season, you know, they lost to Oregon State. That was the second best box plus minus of the entire year, plus 14.6. The only one that was better was a game at Oklahoma. But if you'll recall, like, Katie, I don't say he was bad. Like, the whole team was weird down the stretch. I mean, some of that was Oregon State and credit to them. But uh, I found that to be, you know, somewhat somewhat surprising there uh, with, with Cunningham. He didn't rank top 10 um, in in uh, in any uh, major category of note, Um Aside from turn, uh, frankly, aside from turnovers, like nothing that is a good one uh, that he, that you would want. He didn't rank top ten, which isn't to say, take anything away from him. But he was he's just to me he is a solid player, statistically good, not great, and the fact that he is uh, a capable, willing, wanting defender, good size. I, I, he's listed six eight. He might be. He might be six eight now. I haven't. I haven't stood next to Kate Cunningham in the past year, so I feel like he might be. Sometimes you know, I might be six eight in shoes. Um, but he he is a, he is going to be a player that you can play one, two, or three on the offensive end. I think he's got a good shot at guarding four positions there. Um, and I think that he is. I also think this is important. To note. I completely believe that Kate Cunningham, just knowing how he's built. And, like, he could have left Oklahoma State. This is kind of forgotten after the fact, but I think it actually might help him in the, in the interview process and all that. When Oklahoma State was given its postseason ban in June of 2020, like, there was, at that point, a lot of people thought that there was no shot 
OSU was going to be eligible to play in the 21 NCAA tournament. Now, that uh, well, obviously wound up being the case and all that, but he was given by Boynton the opportunity to, to say, listen, if you want to go and do whatever you want to do, we are good. I completely understand. Obviously, his brother was on the staff there. But Cunningham opted to stay on, and because of that, you know, altered the course of Oklahoma State's season, no doubt about it. I'm not sure if that team would have been a surefire NCAA tournament team without him on there. Um, but I say all, all that to say he has noticeably gotten better the past, you know, three years of his life, and, and it's been significant. I could totally see, GP, we look up in four or five years, and it's just obvious why he should have gone number one or number two because he's one of the three of us four best players in the class like he's that now and he projects as that I don't know if he's for sure going to be the best if you tell me Suggs is better I believe it if you tell me Evan Mobley 10 years from now has been this just awesome beast I believe it but I think he is extremely safe and he just seems his trajectory seems to be very safe because of that and that's why he's frankly been in this conversation for a few years now he is, I don't want to say the rare prospect, but he, he's among the prospects who I think you can reasonably call safe with a high upside. Sometimes there's risky, but a really wild upside. Um, this is safe with a high upside. I, I, don't, I can't imagine a scenario where Kate Cunningham's not a really good NBA player. Um, and I can also imagine um, a, a scenario where he's a great NBA player. If you're looking for another, I, I said earlier, there's a lot that I like and very little that, that, that turns me off. If I'm looking for something that, that is, I don't know, worth noting, and maybe that's it, just worth noting, he's not a great athlete. And he's not, by NBA standards, very quick. Um, you know, I, he's not somebody who will catch it and just blow by you like a lot of lead guards who enter the NBA can. That, that's not who he is. But I will say, and I think – the success of Luka Doncic probably helps Kate Cunningham. And I'm not comparing them as players or suggesting he will be Luka because I think Luka's a, a future MVP. But some of the things on Luka coming out of um, the sure. international game was, you know, he's not a great athlete and he doesn't, he's not that quick. And yeah, he's shot creating against this competition, but will he be able to shot create in the NBA against quicker, longer, better athletes. And he got to the NBA and it was like, Nope, everything he did over there, he's doing over here. And I, I, I think I would, again, it makes me less concerned about Cade's lack of athleticism that there are non Athletes, and when I say non-athletes, like Kate Cunningham is a better athlete than me. I got it. I just mean like <laughs> okay. relative relative to NBA athleticism, he's good, a very average athlete, very average in terms of quickness. But it doesn't concern me that much because there are guys flourishing in the NBA right now who are average athletically and average from a quickness perspective, but they can still do all of the things that they do because they're super skilled and super creative. And I think Kate Cunningham, you know, I, I'd put him under that umbrella. Yeah, and 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 super committed and very competitive. Like one of the things that uh, I think is noticeable when you watch Kate Cunningham is that he's got a flat line demeanor on the court for the most part, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way some guys are wired. There, uh, where a lack of high level athleticism can get you in trouble is if you're not a top five talent in a given draft. If you like, that's sometimes why a guy who otherwise maybe should go 22 goes 38 because I think that teams and scouts and general managers do take a lot of that 
athleticism into account because, frankly, when you look at the NBA, and it's been this way for 45, 50 straight years, like each subsequent year, it just seems like the game gets more and more athletic. It's not all athleticism, but that that is uh, a very uh, powerful component to how players get evaluated, how teams are built, how games are played, and how everything is, is schemed and, and strategized at this level. So the fact that he is not, you know, he's not, he's not one of the 20 best athletes in this draft class. He's just not, he's, he's not miserable. He's just fine. Like he's a, he's a, to me, he's solid enough. Everything else makes up for it. And it's why we're leading off our draft series with him because he is the favorite to go number one. As we do this, as we're, you know, working our way toward the end of May, a reminder, the draft will be at the end of July. So we got plenty more time to go. Got to figure out the lottery and how things are going to fall with all of that but um i just don't see a situation i'll wrap it up with this gp then you can close with what you want i will i don't see any situation and i mean any barring some sort of injury or character thing that would come up which i don't think is going to happen like cunningham's floor in this draft is two like i understand that there are three or four players that could be in the conversation to go number one Cunningham's not dropping below two if he drops out of number one. I, I would be willing to bet uh, a hefty sum on that. I just cannot see any situation, again, barring injury or anything unforeseen, based on who he is and what he's proven at this point, he's going number one or he's going number two. I think that's probably right, and I think more specifically, he's probably going number one. But it, it does appear that when you talk to NBA people, th- there is a consensus on the top five in, in different orders. But, like, the top five players – projected in this draft basically everybody has them the same it is Kate Cunningham Jalen Suggs Jalen Green Evan Mobley and Jonathan Kaminga three college players one and done two G League Ignite players and we will get to them uh, I imagine uh, over the next four or five weeks shouts to Devin Downey shouts to Chester South Carolina shouts to Rico Gathers legend shouts to Larnell thank you guys once again for listening <laughs> to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. We can see the finish line, though, I think. So we're headed in the right direction. Soon enough, I genuinely believe dumbest pandemic of my lifetime is going to be in our rearview mirror. I've never seen one like this, but and I hope to never see another one, but it's going to be in the rearview mirror soon. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you can subscribe to podcasts. We'd appreciate it, and we will talk to you again a little later on this week. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.